So certainly a contentious topic among some. If Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, the insurrection clause that was that was put in post-Civil War to, to dissuade Confederates from becoming bad actors in the United States government. And after Colorado became the first state to ban Donald Trump from the primary ballot, citing Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, some other states follow, followed suit. Um, but there was always going to be a legal challenge to that. And certainly now, uh, as it sits uh, on the desk of justices of the Supreme Court of the United States, they heard today uh, oral arguments about whether or not Trump should in fact be barred from from appearing on the ballot in Colorado. Steve Winter is a distinguished professor of constitutional law at Wayne State University, and he joins us. Professor, it's good to have you back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what you heard from the Supreme Court today. Uh, to me, it, it feels like it is leaning towards heavily either a unanimous decision or something like eight to one in in favor of the fact that Donald Trump's name should be on that ballot. Yeah, I mean, I think going in, uh, the general sense is that the Supreme Court's going to reverse the Colorado Supreme Court. Um, nothing that we heard today uh, changes that, it strengthens that. Um, the pressure on the Supreme Court to come up with unanimous ruling and do so relatively quickly, I think, is actually quite high. Um, so I'd be a little surprised if there's a dissent. So I, I would expect not even eight one. Um, the thing that the monkey wrench, I think, that makes it hard to predict exactly how it's going to play out is um, the extent um, – it's not clear that there's agreement on the court on how to approach the case and how to reason uh, re- reason to the conclusion. Um, there, there are, as I say, many off-ramps, as it were, many different mm-hmm. approaches they could take. And I think the various approaches, um, many of them are going to be quite controversial within the court. So I think the outcome is not that controversial uh, amongst the nine justices, but I suspect the rationale will be controversial. Um, so I, I think the real str- the struggle behind the scenes will be over putting a court together that's, um, that re- that agrees on the on the correct approach to this issue. So w- what are the controversies that could stem from that? Um, well, so most of the argument, this is typical for uh, legal arguments, um, at the appellate level, especially at the Supreme Court level, uh, a lot of the questions are focused on the consequences of various of various positions, various interpretations, um, and the mischief that might arise. Um, uh, I would so so um, so so that's the answer, the generic answer to your question is, uh, depending on what your rule is, you're going to get different kinds of downstream problems and different kinds of downstream. Uh, legal consequences, and, and the court, especially the Supreme Court, but appellate courts in general, uh, usually think long and hard about the implications of the rules that they adopt. Uh, so a rule that's uh, incredibly ambiguous and hard to apply is going to create problems of great extra litigation. Um, that's not the particular issue here, although actually one of the things they're concerned about is um, uh, disparate litiga- you know, litigation in a lot of different states coming out a lot of different ways, um, and a lot of disuniformity. Um, so, um, yeah, so, so that's the answer to your question. If I had a guess, my best guess is, uh, the ruling that, that they'll be able to agree to will have some be focused on 
limiting the role that the states can play in 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 applying the Section Three disqualification. I, there were there were a couple of I mean um, when you get to that level, the Supreme Court is is mincing every word, and when. Uh, lawyers representing the state of Colorado come in and say that he was uh, lawfully removed uh, according to their election laws, state bylaws, all of those things. The Supreme Court is, t- is, is parsing a few different words, and I want to cover b- both of them because I thought they were both very interesting. The state of Colorado says that Donald and, and the reason that the Supreme Court ruled the way they did in the state of Colorado was that Donald Trump engaged in an insurrection. Um, but Donald Trump's lawyers say that he never told his supporters to go to the Capitol. He didn't lead or direct them. He uh, in, he never encouraged any unlawful acts to occur at the Capitol. So those words don't lead to the fact that he led an insurrection or that he was a part of an insurrection. Um, the word engaged was was talked about quite a bit there. Talk to me about the importance of that word in particular. Um, you've asked the wrong person that question. Um, I don't think they're going to go down that, that road. Okay. Um, and I think that the approach to law, um, dominant amongst conservative members of the Supreme Court that focuses on individual words and their meaning, um, is, um, I'm going to put this not kindly, misdirection to the American public. Meaning doesn't work that way, and no um, no intelligent court should approach things that way. So to, to take the word "engage" out of context and try and understand its meaning is 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 not what good lawyers what good lawyering is about. Mm. Um, it's obfuscation. Um, there, there was a lot of argument, both from various of the lawyers, some of whom made good arguments as well as bad, um, and also some of the justices um, that that takes that form. So uh, all all the discussion of what counts as an office of the United States. Yep. Um, I, I guess it's interesting to some people, but I, I think that's not where they're going to be able to form a consensus. So where does that consensus come from then, do you believe? I, I think the most likely place for consensus is on the procedural dimensions of it. Who gets to decide these kinds of questions? Um, now, it would be a, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm, I, it's, I'm not comfortable making a prediction on what they're going to say. Sure. I think any intelligent person well, would, and, but would I, not be comfortable. And, and, but I and, think that one of the more likely possibilities is that they say that there are only, you know, federally, congressionally defined um, avenues um, for deciding on the question of disqualification. Um and that it's the role of the federal of Congress, the federal government, to to, to define those avenues, um, not the states. That's I think the the more uh, I won't say the most likely, but the more likely. Um, now that would actually have also far-reaching implications. So there's some downsides to going that route, which is why it's not really safe to make a prediction. But um, that seemed like the closest to a consensus view that I could hear amongst the questioning. Steve Winter, the constitutional professor at Wayne State University, thank you so much for your insight and your time, and uh, we appreciate you weighing in on the matter. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you got it. Uh, in the meantime, I want to play some audio, because I thought Justice Clarence Thomas uh, brought this uh, around pretty nicely, around the idea of who would be responsible for for carrying this out. There's no doubt that post-Civil War, uh, states... Uh, uh, or, or the Congress would have used that amendment 
and that section to prohibit uh, bad actors uh, from the Confederate states from taking office. But it wasn't the idea that the states could make that blockage. Here's the back and forth between Justice Clarence Thomas and the attorney for the state of Colorado, Jason Murray. There were a plethora of Confederates still around. There were any number of people who would continue to either run for state offices or national offices. So it would seem it, it, that would suggest that there would at least be a few examples of uh, national uh, candidates being uh, disqualified, if your reading is correct. Well, there were certainly national candidates who were disqualified by Congress refusing to seat them. I understand that, but that's not this case. I'm talking... Did states disqualify them? That's what we're talking about here. I understand Congress would not seat them. Other than the example I gave, no. But again, Your Honor, that, that's not surprising because there wouldn't have been... States certainly wouldn't have the authority to remove a sitting So what's the purpose officer. of the... What was the purpose of, the, uh, of Section 3? Uh, the states were sending people. Uh, the, the concern was that the former Confederate states would continue being bad actors. Very interesting thought and very interesting line of questioning. And is there any, is there any precedent? Is there any examples of that happening? Well, no. So it would maybe be pretty easy to, to make the deduction that the reading here is not accurate. Love to get your thoughts on it. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Your calls, your texts coming up next as we continue on on JR Afternoon.